is live again. It's another podcast. We'll take on sports Monday morning, October the 19th, 7 a.m. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for giving me your time. Give you my thoughts and opinions about sports for the next 29 minutes or so. If you missed this podcast live and you're listening on demand, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast, please hit that like, follow, or subscribe button. Also, follow me on social media at, on Twitter and Instagram at WWS underscore sports show. And if you're on Facebook, please go to my Facebook page and click the like button. Today's podcast 1019 Will a World Series title keep dodging LA? Dodgers back in the World Series for the third time in four years. They will be going against the upstart Tampa Rays and Randy Rose Arena. You should know who he is by now if you follow sports. The postseason this kid is having has been outstanding. He's been great for Tampa. Let's see if he can continue his hot streak in the World Series. Before I get into that, though, celebrate 100 years of the Negro Leagues. Today, I'm going to bring you a Negro League legend, Mr. Roy Campanella. He joined the Negro Leagues when he was just 16 years old. Usually, number two, don't get a lot of love. Not as much as number one. In this case, that could be kind of, could be said in this case also. Of course, Jackie Robinson was the guy that broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. But the guy behind him signed also by the Brooklyn Dodgers was Roy Campanella. Roy Campanella is a three-time National League MVP. He won the World Series with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1955. He also... Led the league in RBIs in 1953. After his outstanding career, he was inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in 1969. But one of the cool stats about Mr. Capanella that I saw when I was doing the research for this: the man hit a hundred and what was it, 140, 153 RBIs in 1962. That's crazy. Oh, my bad. He had 142 RBIs in his MVP season of 1953. Uh, the 153 I was just mentioning was was his record being broken by Tommy Davis. So Roy Capanella, today's Negro League legend. And that's going to take me right into what I uh, some of the best things I saw that got my attention. As soon as I get the cue. As soon as I cue it up. Okay, cue it up, Will. Pay attention, Sonny. Pay attention. Hey, boy, pay attention to me when I'm talking to you. All right, games and individual performances in sports that got my attention. Of course, I'm going to start with the National League Championship Series. What a what a uh, comeback by the Dodgers over Atlanta. They were down 3-1. And they won three straight to take the series 4-3, which was the score last night, 4-3. Cody Bellinger, bottom of the seventh inning, uh, hit the game-winning home run, I guess you can say, as he put him up one. 
Got to give Atlanta a lot of credit. That, those young arms that came through for this team um, in the postseason, they were impressive. But the Dodgers are a series-hitting lineup. They hit the cover off the ball, and they are the most talented roster in Major League Baseball. So it's really uh, the odds makers at the beginning of the season. This was no surprise. They were the heavy favorite. Um, they're going to be going into the World Series, even though as the heavy favorite, even though uh, Tampa did win 40 games out of 60 played. The Dodgers are uh, really the team to beat. They, can they get that title? They haven't won since 1988. But can they get that elusive title that has just been dodging it, that been dodging this team for a minute? And maybe L.A. will have a double celebration whenever the restrictions are lifted. In the other league, the American League Championship Series, which ended on Saturday night, the Rays almost New York Yankee that thing. And what I mean by that, they, they were on the verge of blowing a 3-0 lead. And the only other team to do that was the New York Yankees as the Boston Red Sox came back and won four straight. Uh, give the Chitros some credit. They didn't need the banging of uh, garbage cans or a video on the catcher to detect pitches or to get an advantage with pitches. They actually played it straight up, and they came up just one game short. So a lot of credit goes to Dusty Baker, but, again, their core has been there for a while, and they've been uh, on a great run be honest with you, um, with Springer, Correa, Bergman, and uh, Altuve. They've been on a great run, but they ran into a Tampa Rays team that's been really good uh, in Major League's 60-game uh, season. They finished first in the American League East. They were the number one seed coming into the American League uh, tournament, playoff tournament, and they cashed in. Now they're going to get to play in Texas. That's where the World Series will be held. Uh, between them and the L.A. Dodgers. If you listen to this show on a consistent basis, you know that I've been on the L.A. bandwagon uh, from the start of the season with my preview show and also with my playoff prediction. So I think the Dodgers are going to go ahead and do it. It's going to be key, though, because one thing about um, Tampa is they can pitch. They they can pitch, and usually uh, in the Major League Baseball playoffs, good pitching uh, shuts down. Uh, a great batting lineup. Blake Snell, um, Glasnow, and also Charlie Morton, who in his postseason has a ridiculous uh, .57 ERA. That's just nuts. And he has three wins and three starts in this postseason. So the Rays are making their second World Series appearance since 2000. The last time was in 2008. So see what they can do. And no back-to-back appearance for the Chitros. That's okay, though, you know given the fact they were 29 and 31 but, uh, in the regular season. But anyway, good solid season. All right, let me turn my attention to the N, the F, and the L. I'm a big-time Miami Dolphins fan. You know that. And the Dolphins beat the team that I hate. I wanted the Dolphins to embarrass the Jets, but I'll take a shutout. 24-0 shutout by my Miami Dolphins. Um, from the team from New York. Also, there was a tour sighting. The Dolphins had such a, a commanding lead. He was able to get a few snaps in uh, his first NFL action. Really, to be honest with you, that's the highlight of that game. 
to be un- – yeah, that's the highlight of that game that Tua got onto the field because uh, this should have been much worse. But Fitzy, again, red zone interceptions uh, prevented the Dolphins from really just making this totally uh, – uh, more lopsided than what it did a 24-0 score says. Dolphins defense played well. Um, it, it did help that they were uh, playing against Joe Flacco, and uh, Joe Flacco hasn't been the same since he uh, led the Ravens to a uh, Super Bowl win. And, um, yeah, that's it. And he got that payday. But, anyway, Dolphins uh, beat the Jets. So that's one of the games I got right. The other game I got right that I out of the five games I picked last week was the Browns at Pittsburgh. You 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 see it now? Do you guys see it now? Baker Mayfield is just not a good quality quarterback. He's not. I don't care how many commercials they give him. He's just not a good quarterback. That pick six interception that Mika Fitzpatrick took back, that was a gift. I mean, that, that was ridiculous. He telegraphed that thing from, from the time before the snap was made. He telegraphed that play. And Mika Fitzpatrick, who's a pro bowler, picked it off, went to the house. I can say this much. One of the other things outside of the, um, the score, which I didn't find surprising because I picked Pittsburgh to absolutely just destroy uh, Cleveland in that game, uh, there was no helmet swinging. Miles Garrett did get a sack, and there was no incident from that sack. I told you that uh, last Thursday. There, I can guarantee almost certain with, with, with certainty that <laughs> there will be no helmet swinging. There was no helmet swinging, and there's no report of any racial slurs. So the game went off without any incident, except for the simple fact is that Pittsburgh destroyed Cleveland by 31 points. That's it. That's all I got on that game. And this Claypool kid, thank you, Mr. Claypool. I had you in my draft, my DraftKings uh, lineup yesterday, and you came through. Rushing touchdown, should have had a second one. Just keep your hand inbounds and i got that second touchdown but anyway uh let me move on games i got wrong and first let's start with that uh matchup of two quarterbacks that we all know pretty well if you're an nfl fan tom brady versus aaron Rodgers. uh the buccaneers destroyed green bay yesterday i did not see that possibly happening at all but it did happen i picked green bay and they lost by 28 points I saw the memes on social media, Twitter, uh, with Brady with the four up, you know, how he was confused last Thursday. It was four downs. Well, they with that meme, they said, well, he know that he was going to win by four touchdowns. You got to see it. I you just got to see it. I think it was, pretty, it was pretty clever by whoever came up with that. But anyway, um, after Aaron Rodgers appeared to score a touchdown in the first quarter of that game, he didn't score. He got up and did some kind of weird celebration. It was weird anyway. And um, Green Bay scored on the very next play. After that, Tampa Bay rolled off 38 straight points. 38 straight points. And it was started by Aaron Rodgers throwing his first interception of the season, and Tampa Bay took it to the house. Tampa Bay defense played really good yesterday. They they looked like uh, what the hype said they should be um, before the start of this season. So Tom Brady wasn't spectacular to me. But Aaron Rodgers was horrible. He was really bad. And I got to give Tampa Bay's defense a lot of credit because I thought the guy that could really make a difference in this game was the other Aaron, Jones, not Rodgers. And they held that boy to 15 yards rushing. So Tampa Bay's defense came to play yesterday. They looked good. Grunt got a touchdown. Whip you do. 
That's all I got on that. All right, another game I got wrong. Bears at Panthers. I took the Panthers at home. The Bears were able to win. One of the reasons I picked against the Bears because I'm just not a fan of Nick Foles. I don't um, I, I don't know what the love affair is with him, but it is what it is. And the Panthers just came up short. Uh, not a bad game by uh, the Panthers' offense. It's just, again, turnovers. Um, was the key in this game. Also, Bridgewater threw a horrible interception inside his own 20-yard line that led to the Bears' first score. And the Bears' defense played a little better. They looked they look like the look like that defense that um, we've seen over the last uh, these last couple of seasons. And they they put a lot of heat on that boy. They put a lot of heat on the Miami native Teddy Bridgewater, a lot. But uh, they got their chance. They had. I'm talking about the Panthers. They had their chance late in that game. They didn't. They did. They were not able to uh, convert on that last drive. So they came up short, just short. Just not too bad. A seven point uh, loss. Um, they controlled the ball. Uh, it's just those turnovers. Those turnovers hurt. Two interceptions and one lost fumble. So that is how that result happened. The Carolina Panthers coming up short. So I got that one wrong. And the last one I got wrong. Rams at 49ers. Jimmy G actually shovel-passed his way to a win or short-passed his way to a win, basically, and the Rams seemed to not be able to cover receivers even when he was throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage because Jimmy G had three touchdowns uh, all in the first half, matter of fact, because the 49ers was up 21-6 at halftime, and then I concentrated on the baseball game. But anyway, um, the Rams, Jerry Goff hit a miss yesterday. Um, it was a strong effort by the 49ers, so they, they're able to get to 500, and they beat the Rams. That's all I got from that game. I, I got nothing else. Oh, this is the other thing about it. Does anybody else notice on Sunday Night Football, and, and I don't know if I'm late, or maybe I just happened to pay attention yesterday, that when they have the yards to go, is in dark green. It took me a minute to figure out, why is the field dark green? Okay, that's a random thought. I don't know. All right, other games to individual performances that got my attention, of course. Uh, Derrick Henry, the best running back in football, that's not up for debate anymore. No, 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 no. A man that big should not be able to outrun DBs and linebackers. It shouldn't. It, that that's, that's not fair. He ran away on uh, the game on Tuesday. He swatted Josh Norman away. And in this game against Houston, he ran away from DBs and linebackers on his way to a 200-yard rushing day. Derrick Henry is the best running back in football. It's not That's not up for debate anymore. So you can close that argument or that uh, what, whatever or any, really your opinion is your opinion, but there's no way you can look at that dude at that size and not say that he's the best uh, running back in football. And matter of fact, on that 94-yard touchdown run, the, 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 the Texans stacked the box. <laughs> they stacked the box, and he still broke it off uh, for a long for a 94-yard uh, touchdown run. But Deshaun Watson, kudos to him, man. I tell you, his offensive line is trash, but he puts that team, he gives his team a chance to win. I, I, I got to say that he is a top notch quarterback uh top echelon type quarterback in my opinion he just doesn't have that much talent around him although will fuller can run straight 
We do know that for a fact. All right, the Patriots lost at home to Denver. Denver Denver field goal their way to that win. Six field goals by their kicker. Cam Newton looked shaky. Uh, he wasn't solid. The team wasn't solid because it just wasn't Cam Newton. The entire Patriots team just looked uh, – it just didn't look good yesterday. I don't know if that had to do with all the – the things going on with the COVID testing and stuff like that, but they just did not look like a very good football team yesterday. So they're two and three, and my Dolphins are half a game above New England in the AL East. And I mean, I'm sorry, in the American Football Conference Eastern Division. So um, Dolphins are three and three, and the Patriots are two and three. So I, I like that. I, I, I like that. I'm happy about that. I don't know if it's gonna hold, but I do like that. That's about all in the NFL. The that I really want to go into. I mean, oh, Atlanta got their first win. Good for them. I mean, they played against Minnesota and Kirk Cousins without Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is just is the gift that keeps on giving to the to NFL defense. Three more interceptions yesterday. Three, two of them were just horrific um, passes. But anyway, Kirk Cousins. I, I'm still a little miffed about this thing that he's a. Uh, franchise level quarterback and if you say well i I don't know about that either i I don't think i've heard that but they paid him like he's a franchise level quarterback i know what the quarterback market says but anyway um he is a top-notch paid quarterback but he's not a top-notch quarterback performer in my opinion real quick because this is going to come up a lot as i was glancing at the four-letter uh sports center uh romeo cornell going for two Late in that game when Tennessee went up by seven, he wanted to make it nine. I love the call. It was aggressive. I don't have a problem with it. His defense just needed to stop the other team. They didn't. You know, they came up short. But I like the going for two to put them up nine and make it a two-score game. I have no problem with it. And those who do, uh, you're entitled to your opinion. But I didn't. I didn't have not a problem with it. All right, let me get to the uh, 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 the lightweight unification title fight between uh, Lomachenko and uh, Lopez. This is this is what it is. This this is what happened. I picked Lomachenko uh, to win this by decision. Okay, I was wrong. Um, Lopez won by unanimous decision. All right, but one nineteen to one hundred nine scorecard is not what that fight was. It was not an eleven to one uh, rounds one advantage for Lopez. 7-5, maybe. Should have been a 115-113. That's the way I looked at it, but and some others. But not 119-109. But the person that uh, Lomachenko could blame, he needs to look in the mirror because he got off slow in that fight. And Lopez just, okay, be, did that, that's your M.O. That is Lomachenko's M.O. and, and how he starts fight because he's a, he's a counterpuncher. He's a very good counterpuncher, but he's a counterpuncher. And Lopez took the fight to him, and on top of that, he boxed. Very two very skilled boxers in that match. That was the, both of those guys are good boxers. Uh, Lopez wasn't given that that type of uh, credit for his boxing skill. A lot of that has to do because he just slaps people around the ring, you know, in his previous fifteen fights. But he boxed a very good match on a Saturday evening and he started off with that now Lomachenko can hit so can Lopez those, both of those guys took some shots they took some shots both of them and but I was surprised 
that Lomachenko wasn't able to uh, – he, he started too late. From about round six on, that's when he kind of – okay, he, he started to get the timing of Lopez down, start to slip the jab a little bit and get inside. And um, he he gave it as good as he got, though. I can tell you that much. Cause I'm talking about Lopez because he that kid's got some heavy hands. And whoever – whatever that kid's name that was in that undercard that came into that fight knocking out uh, all his opponents in the first round and he continued that on Saturday, uh, Saturday night. I can't think of his name right now. He looks like the next guy, although he's a little bigger. He's in that super middleweight uh, class. This is a, that was amazing when I heard that stat. He had fifteen, he had 15, fourteen previous fights and gotten past the first round, and he knocked everybody out in the first round. And he knocked that dude out in the first round. It, I was like, and it wasn't a come right at you, rush out of the, as soon as the bell rings type of thing. He was patient, but that kid. I'm talking about the the undercard fight. His hands are so heavy. He hit that dude and he winced in the in, on his arm. That's some heavy. That's a that's some heavy hands. It kind of puts me in mind of what Muhammad Ali said about Ernie Chavez. If Ernie Chavez hits you on your arm, you, you feel it. But anyway, uh, that that undercard fight with that young man, he hit that he hit his opponent on the arm, and that dude he looked like he was hurt. Let alone getting popped upside the head, and that was it. The ref said that's enough. The referee even said, hey, show me something. And he couldn't show nothing because he was too dizzy. He got popped upside the head a, a num, uh, number of times in that first round. So, But anyway, back to that fight. It was a good fight. I hope there's an instant rematch. I, don't, I hope uh, Lopez doesn't move on. Uh, there are some other quality, lightweight uh, challengers out there. But give Lomachenko, you know, his uh, rematch. I think that would be appropriate. And I think Lomachenko would approach that second fight a little differently than he did this first one. Again, he started slow. He he just he didn't get going quick enough. Um, about round six on, you saw okay he's starting to let his hands go. But again, he may not have let his hands go early in that fight anyway because he he respected the power of Lopez because he felt it early. All right, let me move to my favorite sport, the game of soccer. You know it here in the United States is football to the rest of the world. But anyway, another young American is headed to Europe. This time to Austria, Mr. Brendan. Aronson is going to RB Salzburg in Austria. Uh, that's the uh, RB Salzburg is the top club in Austria. They're not a powerhouse in Europe, but they are the top club there. He will be making that transfer over in January at the start of the year 2021. One of the highest transfer fees for a young American coming out of the MLS, $6 million and an additional three. So it could be up to not up to $9 million for this transfer. That's, that's peanuts, really, to other, you know, transfers that happen in Europe. But for a young American to get that coming out of the MLS and going to Europe, that is that is a big, big deal right there. All right, real quick. Um, so congratulations to Brendan Aronson, Christian Pulisic, uh, right now the best American footballer uh, in, in Europe. Uh, return for Chelsea this week wearing the number 10 jersey. He didn't do anything special, but he did get pitch time, and that is uh, what's the quality thing there. In uh, the Premier League or in the other league or in other top leagues in uh, Europe as far as uh, football, they had this thing called VAR, Video Assistant Referee. Okay, late in a uh, rivalry, as we would call it here in, in, in the States, they call it the Merseyside Derby between Everton and Liverpool, Liverpool appeared to secure the three points, the win, uh, late uh, in that match. And because one of their players was offsides, which means he was 
past last defender. Um, and he was barely all size. I mean, during as that happened live, I mean, he did. He looked on side. He didn't look like he was all size. But VAR reviewed it. I guess his fingernail or shoestring was all size. Was past last defender. They they called all size and it nullified that game winning goal for Liverpool. Um, I, I hate VAR. I really do. I know technology. We have the technology. We should use it. But it's absolutely stupid. It, it really is because some of this stuff. I mean, he. That's a play on. You know, it wasn't like he had that much of an advantage, you know, over, you know, the last line of defense. But anyway, VAR overturned the goal and he lost it. Not only did Liverpool drop two points in that game, uh, they lost probably one of the best, the, the best center back in Virgil van Dijk uh, in that game. And that is a huge loss for Liverpool. My Man City team did win. Um, that back line of Aki, Diaz, and Walker, we went with a, a three-man back line in front of Ederson, uh, secured a 1-0 win over Arsenal. Arsenal, uh, they, 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 they decided to play off the counterattack. I don't blame them. They're not really as skilled as Man City, so they had to play. They played more of a de- uh, defensive shape type of football, uh, try to keep Man City from you know penetrating through the defense, make them go out wide. Great strategy. But you got to be able to hit off the counter, and they were not able to. And I'm gonna give some credit to Ak- to Aki Diaz and Walker on that back line because they finally look like they know where they're supposed to be on defense for the first time in, uh, in uh, during this uh, Premier League season and really late last year. So City was able to get a one 0 win. So I'm happy. I had a pretty good weekend. The teams I root for won: Hurricanes, Dolphins, Man City. So that's what it is. All right, tonight. Before I get into the Monday Night Football games, um, let me say this about college football. I'm not going to get into any analysis of what happened except for, okay, listen. Clemson scored 73 points on Georgia Tech. The city of Atlanta had a rough weekend um, in regards to sports. But anyway, except for the Falcons getting their first win. uh, Georgia Tech was beat 73 to seven. At one time, I think Clemson had seven straight touchdowns or something along that lines. And there are those, because I like to look at Twitter uh, during games, uh, especially uh, of teams that are playing, listening to their fans uh, chat. Now, anybody that wasn't rooting for Clemson or is not a Clemson fan had a real problem with that score or what was Cle- what Clemson was doing late in that game as they had the game in hand as they um their backups came into the ball game they got uh they kept throwing the ball down the field um they kept pretty much just running their offense with their backups their second and third teamers i have no problem with it no problem with them running up the score i know it should be good sportsmanship and all that good stuff i understand those who are making that argument but i don't have a problem with it those kids Got their opportunity, some of them making their uh, college football debut. So I have no problem with what Clemson did. Here's my only rebuttal. Clemson, remember what you did. When the Miami Hurricanes used to do that, I had not a problem with that uh, either because I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. So when we would draw up teams, had not a problem with it. You don't want us to score 49 or 59 or beat you 63 to 7? Stop us. Stop the Hurricanes. Hurricanes uh, had, uh, uh, were, it's not always on, they, they're not always on top. So when that happened and teams began to do that to the Hurricanes, can't be mad because this is the same treatment 
the Hurricanes gave inferior opponents. That's all I'm going to say about Clemson. Be careful. Be careful because your day will come when that exact thing that you did to Georgia Tech will happen to you. Eventually, and I said this to a Clemson fan, he said, no, we're going to keep recruiting good kids. Yeah, Miami said the same thing. Eventually, those five, those four and five stars are not going to work out. You're going to get some uh, – uh, you're going to be wrong on some of those uh, kids that you're signing. It's going to happen. You're going to have a down time. That's all I'm going to say. Just remember, got to let the kids play. Got to let them get a chance to get the, the – uh, Play in live game action and keep the running, uh, keep the uh, uh, the foot on the pedal, or you know, keep the offense going and don't let up. Just remember, that's the argument you made. So when that argument happens against you, don't say anything. The other thing is, um, Nick Saban had the quickest turnaround of COVID nineteen that I've seen of her. He 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 tested positive on Tuesday. By Friday, he had three negative tests. Now. Either I'm crazy, some of you don't 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 chime in on that. But didn't they tell us that this thing takes at least you have to do a 14 day quarantine before, and then you have to have two days, uh, uh, two negative tests within 42 hours. I mean, 48 hours. This dude had three negative tests in three days. Again, unless there's something, unless he got some backwards Bama moonshine that had a miracle cure in it or something, whatever it is, he was on the sideline. Now, I'm going to put a little conspiracy theory out there since we live in an alternative news facts society. Me thinks Nick Saban either didn't have it or they're lying. He had it, but they felt the game was so, it was such a big game between them and Georgia that uh, he needed to be on the sideline. One of those two things. Nothing else. Because that was absolutely nuts to me. I'm serious. I was like, wait. I thought this day you had a 14-day quarantine. I thought that was the case when you uh, uh, get COVID. But I guess in his case, that's not that that's not what happened. All right, before I get out of here, let me talk about Monday Night Football. Uh, we got two games today. They should do this going forward. All right. Got KC at Buffalo. Uh, Kansas City is a five-point favorite. Listen, these, both of these teams played the Raiders earlier this year. Uh, the Bills beat the Raiders by seven, and Kansas City lost to the Raiders by eight. All right? So that's that's the common opponent. That that has no bearings on anything. I just I don't know why I put that in the notes. But anyway, both these guys, both teams lost their first game. The Bills lost on Tuesday night, and KC uh, lost to the uh, the previous previously mentioned Raiders. All right. Anyway, uh, I'm going to take the bill. I'm going to take KC to win, but I think the Bills cover the point. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Also, because KC plays zero defense, and the Bills that defense haven't been that good either. Either, and I don't think that Tre'Davious White will be at cornerback for those guys tonight. Arizona at Dallas. This is a pick'em game. Dallas game plan should be this, and the Cardinals should know it. And Dallas should know it. Kelly Moore should know this. It should be Ezekiel right, left, up the middle, draw play, whatever way you give him the ball in the backfield, give it to Zeke. Everybody should know that, including your opponent. They just have to stop it. Because if you're relying on Andy Dalton 
to win you this game. If he throws more than 25 passes in this game, Dallas will lose. That's my prediction. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Not that I think he'll throw more than 25 passes, but I'm almost certain if he throws more than 25, they're going to lose because Andy Dalton is not going to be the difference maker. He is not Dak Prescott. Again, Andy Dalton quarterback Cincinnati to the number one record last year. I'm going to leave that right there. Okay. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I close the podcast the same way every single time. Say a prayer for somebody because prayer changes things. I holler. Wear your mask. Keep up that social distancing. Vote. Getting close. Vote. Not just the national election. Vote. Down ballot. State and local. I holler. Be safe.